The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. And today I have Alex Bass, who is Vice President of Product Management at Momento. She's joining me today on the podcast, and we have lots of things to talk about. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. It's a pleasure. You have had such an exciting career up to now. And I want to get to what you're doing at Momento because it's quite interesting. But can you just give the listeners a little bit of background as to how you got to this point in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a little bit of luck, a little bit of passion and a decent amount of hard work kind of combined. I started my education in college around psychology and was really passionate around the way people think, how they make decisions, all of those elements. And when I realized that applied psychology in the traditional sense wasn't going to fit with my personality as much as I would have liked, I looked for business applications for that and market research kind of came to the forefront as one of the core areas where I could really have an impact using my psychology background and to help businesses answer core questions for who to market to, how to position products, how to communicate those things, et cetera. And so I worked for a research agency in Los Angeles, and it was tons of fun to start to dig into that dimension of work. And what I realized was The start and end of my engagement with all of our customers was really around, they had a very specific problem Mm -hmm. and we did research and the output was a report, but very little did we actually see what they did with that data. Did they take action, what they adjusted within their strategy, all of those different elements. And so after, you know, a couple of years that became a point of frustration. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'd like to try the other side of the house, right? So making that transition, right? From research execution on the agency side to actually being part of in-house research team for an organization. And pretty soon, even that started to be too far removed for me from actually having an impact on doing the things. And so I started to transition into product marketing kinds of roles where I was engaging more with those teams, delivering content, those kinds of elements while still doing my research roles. It was more of like a role plus in a lot of instances. Got it. And then... I happened to be coming up in the business world at a point in time when the research was transitioning and technology was having an impact there. Mm -hmm. So whereas like when I started and I'm going to date myself here for a second, I used to have to write, you know, a research survey if you're doing quantitative research in Word and then hand it to an engineering team and then program program it for you. And then you would test it and give them all the changes. And this process probably went on for like two weeks. And at this point in time, you know, when this was happening, a decent number of technologies surfaced that would allow you to program your own survey Mm -hmm. without knowing coding language and things like that. And so I brought a couple of those into a few organizations and started to, you know, do that in-house research myself and leverage that for some of the content work that I was doing for some of these teams to get quick and dirty answers to some of these questions. 
And by doing that, I forged a relationship with Qualtrics, which is a well-known kind of research technology tool, created the experience management category. And I transitioned there and that's where I really stepped into that product management, product marketing role fully, helped launch the brand experience product line, really saw that go from zero to one. It was such a ride and such a fun experience. That is fun. And I would imagine in, in the role of product management, you get to touch all the key stakeholders. You have to collaborate with everybody. Yes, absolutely. And it really depends on kind of how the organizations, the product organizations are structured. There are some organizations where, you know, product managers really are doing most of that technical work where they're right. breaking down requirements and from how users are going to interact with the experience, what their needs are, what their expectations are down into, you know, very granular rules around mm-hmm. how these elements and pieces and features need to interact with each other in that holistic experience. And then in other parts of the organization, PM doesn't really do that as much. There's usually a product owner or someone mm-hmm. that's guiding some of that work and asking some of those questions or technical programmer product managers, depending on how those roles are defined. And PMs really focused more on that upstream strategic approach to what should we build? What are the problems we're going to solve? And then the how is kind of a little bit more down funnel in some of these instances. And so it's interesting to see how much you know, product management as a function is starting to coalesce, but there's still so many different versions of what a product manager does at different organizations. I would say it's still not at a place where we have the kinds of consistency that I think you see in some of the marketing roles, research roles, sales roles, sales roles, et cetera. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And I think it's interesting when a company does develop the function, I think that's where the variations come into play because many times oh, somebody can't own this piece. Why don't we put it under, you know, product management? Whether it fits or not, it's not clear, but, you know, there's a person who has a probably a broader view and who could potentially solve that problem. So I can definitely understand where variation plays in, it plays a part here. So you oversee 17 product managers or yeah. you're part of a team and you lead that team. What does your day-to-day look like as it relates to you know, managing this major portfolio of products at Momentum? Day-to-day is interesting. I have one-on-ones with my team. That's incredibly important to me to stay in the loop with them, understand where their frustrations are, pain points are, you know, if there's anything along their kind of journey, I can help unblock, connect dots, do those kinds of things. Having regular checkups or Mm -hmm. check-ins in many instances with my cross-functional partners and making sure I'm really close to my design and engineering partners that were aligned on the general strategy, that the priority of the projects is aligned for us across the board so that we're not, you know, kind of all chasing different parts of the innovation kind of pipeline in many instances. And then, of course, making sure that there's alignment with product marketing so that Mm -hmm. they're aware of what's going on, how these elements are progressing. And just making sure that we are paying attention to the metrics, paying attention to the broader strategy as we're stack ranking, as we're prioritizing, as we're investing, and making sure that certain initiatives are resourced correctly and have the right team members on them, that those things all make sense and that they match with what the structure and the strategy the organization has decided on as well. It's it's so true. It's like so much of taking a product or service to market is obviously going out to the external market 
but also bringing your internal stakeholders aware, getting excited and to champion the product or the initiative. And I think too many times I feel like we minimize that part. You know, it is like the last mile piece, right? That phone companies always talk about it. It's hardest part because it's not a structured and it involves human to human communication as they bring stakeholders along. What do you think? I agree. The toughest part, because you want that continuity, right? When go-to-market teams and product teams are aligned and what you're talking about to the market matches the way you're solving the problems and the problems you're solving from a product standpoint, you have way less friction in that Mm go-to-market, right? You can create content that is really clear and aligned and matches your value proposition. You can attract the right audience and customer base that you're looking for. And then when you speak to them, it's going to authentically answer those questions that they have because of that alignment and continuity. So you've brought up metrics a couple of times. I'm curious, the top three metrics for a product management group, you must have these. What would they be from your perspective? Yeah. So I'd like to start with looking at the company metrics that the product organization is expected to impact through its work, right? Okay. In partnership mm-hmm. with design and engineering. Yeah. And so you have acquisition, mm-hmm. you have retention, And you have expansion, right? And so those are kind of the three core sets of metrics that you're going to want to map down into something within your product area. Okay. And so from an acquisition standpoint, we look at, you know, new features, new functionality, new product lines that we're launching and look at the marketing up funnel content, messaging, engagement elements for what people are looking at. And then of course, downstream, are they actually converting off of those pages from a self-serve standpoint? And we do similar things on the sales side. When we launch new things, when we launch new features, when we launch new products, are those things affecting our conversion and our win rates across our target audience that these things are launched for? Are they actually having an impact? And we've seen a lot of success there. From a retention standpoint, whatever metric you can get your hands on that you can map to the money is the metric that you need to use, right? Because that's always talking about an abstract metric that tries to approximate retention that doesn't necessarily always connect to money is always challenging. So we worked with our finance team pretty extensively to map NPS because we've had an NPS program in place for years. And so really offending that wasn't an option, even though there's pros and cons to NPS programs, right? Right. Them in various different ways. And so we had a, a mapping of NPS increases to a specific amount of money. That meant in terms of retention for the organization and NPS, depending on how we were going to structure our roadmap for that year. And it's never fully accurate. How long did that take you to build and socialize internally? It took about eight months. And the reason being that when I joined and I had the benefit of having a research background. So this was not my first customer experience program that I've seen at a large scale organization that was measuring both at the high level and the individual touch point customer experiences and correlating the two. And so it really took a while because when I joined, I looked at the program and while the program was good and it was consistent, it was missing a level of detail that prevented us from getting to that level of analysis. And so the first thing that we did was 
add a few questions to the questionnaire. Now, of course, you never touch the overall NPS question right, or the right, question right. after where you're asking yeah. for additional <laughs> feedback. But the questions after that, if they're not being used, usually organizations don't have too much of a conniption over adjusting some of those, right. changing them and collecting new data. That's pretty amazing. Eight months. Uh, you have new metric, new and socializing across your organization. So very impressive especially since the data did not reside in all one area and you have to go from group to group to collect it. Oh, um, yes. What you describe as somebody who's very versatile in terms of their skill sets, and you know, you brought up just in, this, in building this model, it's analytical, right? Communicative, painting a vision for the future. There's a lot of different skills. And I'm very curious from your perspective, if you had to think about certain skills or personality types for product management, what would they be? I think the number one that I would say makes or breaks the effectiveness of product managers is their ability to communicate and collaborate Okay, without ego. And the reason that I say that is in order to truly have an impact and the kind of impact that you're looking for, there needs to be an understanding and a respect for the cross-functional partners you work with because you will not own the entire ecosystem. Right. And there are so many points of failure that could diminish every single one of your brilliant ideas and executions on how the product surfaces. If the wrong words are chosen in terms of how they're described, if the wrong audience is engaged, if the channel doesn't make sense, if the execution of a creative falls flat, if one bug is in the product that you didn't catch in time as you're going full blast into a launch, all of those elements can impact the customer experience in such a way that your brilliant work doesn't get recognized or seen. And also all of those touch points and even like customer success, sales, et cetera, those individuals work with customers, have conversations, understand pain points across an ecosystem of needs, not even just the direct thing that you as a product manager are over from a specialization standpoint. And so the ability to pull information Mm -hmm. out of those groups, understand it, synthesize it and leverage it in your strategy, not as a oh, so-and-so asked for this feature. So I'm just going to copy and paste exactly what they asked for in terms of the feature, but in terms of the intent and what problems Mm -hmm. are they actually surfacing. And so I think having that point of view of being really collaborative, seeing how many different functions you can pull in to improve your project rather than fence guarding. Yes. I've seen more positive outcomes from bridging, you know, groups of people and different functions together than in clarifying roles and responsibilities. Yeah. The collaboration is inspiring the collective basically versus, you know, just kind of limiting it to a certain group of people. And I would imagine it also manifests a bit out of company culture and how people are relating to the culture inspires that connectivity that you talk about and collaboration. Absolutely. And I would say the other thing that's really, really helpful as a product manager is bravery. Because I can't tell you the number of times that I'm sitting in meetings and it's any number of functions that will say things like, this is a really early stage idea. We haven't done all of our you know, vetting, (laughs) full fidelity. This is, you know, and everyone's kind of qualifying and I'm not negating their lived experience, right? Because they're obviously qualifying for a reason. They have entered some rooms and in some rooms, ideas that weren't fully fleshed out have not been treated 
with love and respect that they deserved in their early stage, but having that bravery to not react to a lot of the negativity that you're going to get and still share your ideas and still share and get feedback on the thought process that you have. A lot of soft skills, right? In terms of navigating the organization and kind of personal style. If you're an introvert, maybe this might be a little harder, it sounds like, due to all the communication that needs to take place. Do you think there's certain personalities that are drawn to product management or... Absolutely. I think there are. I would say where I've seen people have a ton of positive feedback from their cross-functional groups in these Mm -hmm. roles. And I think it's a little bit of a bias that we as leaders and as organizations should double click into to see why this is happening and are we contributing to this in any way. But it seems as if there is this bias towards extroversion for this kind of a role. Right. right. Yeah. Being able I just to, said it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Being able mm-hmm. to have those conversations, being able to communicate ideas loudly, being mm-hmm. able to be a little bit more on the aggressive side of things. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I really try to double check for those biases for myself to make sure that the team composition that I'm nurturing is right as diverse, inclusive, and broad as possible because those points of view and those experiences matter and they have a huge impact on the output that your team generates. And so I would say my team is pretty balanced across introversion Mm. and extroversion. And the output that they generate on either end is extremely good. And what I've noticed is some of the introverts are actually better in a lot of instances because They are quieter because they wait longer to speak because they are listening more mm-hmm. in a lot of instances to pick up on the nuances of the communication that's happening for them. And so then they're able to almost get to that higher quality product yeah. faster. They're spending more time iterating on the actual experience, yeah. less time iterating on the way they're messaging the experience. Right, right. If that makes sense. That does make a lot of uh, sense. So, Yeah. So I would encourage more introverts to think about product management and to engage because their skill sets are very valuable and important. And they have a different way to go about doing it, but it's no Mm -hmm. less effective in. Yeah. It doesn't mean the loudest person wins or anything like that by any means. It's more about how they approach their thinking. And to your point, how that percentage of time that's spent and where it's allocated. Absolutely. It seems also like there's this, I would say that regardless of extroversion and introversion, a skill set that would be very helpful for product management to kind of curate is facilitation. Can you lead a conversation with a group of people that Mm -hmm. don't report to you and that you're trying to have an aligned outcome surface at the end of this conversation? Do you know how to progress people forward from brainstorming to idea reduction to Mm -hmm. then selection and alignment, whether it's by consensus or it's by, you know, some sort of voting mechanism, popularity, effort, whatever it is that you are focusing on and optimizing for, that skill is incredibly critical, regardless of kind of your personality anchor. Mm -hmm. Getting everybody aligned. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, what's your most highly rated product that you like or brand, I would say that produces those products. 
Yeah, I think I will start with one that's pretty consistent with, I think, the market and the revenue that they generate. Apple products are incredible. Yes. I think for their simplicity, ease of use, and the amount of delight that kind of comes out of using some of them and what you ultimately experience, I think those things are bar none amazing. And if I'm thinking in the business context, Slack is another one that is really, really interesting. It's a really positive experience. And I think mm-hmm. the it's really easy to communicate. It's really easy to kind of replicate this kind of communication that existed when we were predominantly in the office. And you could right. just walk up to someone and, and strike up a conversation. I can slack someone the second mm-hmm. I have an idea and I can schedule it or I can send it right away. And there's lots of different reminder mm-hmm. elements. So from an efficiency standpoint, it's really helpful. The question that it arises for me though, is in an ecosystem where you have email and you have Slack And you have meetings through Zoom and Teams products and things like that, where there's so many communication channels. Alec, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've learned a lot from you in our conversations, and I wish you well on your journey of product management and beyond. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to chat with you about all of these fun things. Hope you have a great holiday. Thank you. You too. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today thank you for tuning in to data gurus podcast this episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to head over to www.datagurusspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. Exclusively. That's www.datagurusspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.